0: American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You love podcasts. The stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast, now with unlimited episodes. That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com podcastfree podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E. Suddenly, as we were rounding the corner, we gasped at the sight of a little girl sitting on the side of the road. I pulled into a dirt driveway and my car got stuck in the mud. As my wheels were spinning, a light turned on inside the house. My girlfriend screamed, let's Let's get get out out of of here." here. I'm Tom Stewart and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I want to thank you for listening. This podcast only exists because of supporters like you, but unfortunately, podcasts do cost money. So I'm hoping you'll show your support by visiting my website, myparanormalstory.com and clicking on the donate button. Every little bit helps keep us on the air. Thank you so much for your support. Most people have heard of a cursed section of ocean off the coast of Florida called the Bermuda Triangle. This 500,000 square mile area that stretches between Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico has, for decades, been associated with strange occurrences, like dozens of planes and ships mysteriously disappearing, including military vessels. There have been reports of ghost ships, UFOs, USOs, and other phenomena. The Bermuda Triangle has been mentioned in countless books, magazines, movies, and television shows. But did you know we have a similar triangle here in New England? Except instead of being over the ocean, this mysterious triangle is over land. It's called the Bridgewater Triangle. The name was first coined by author and researcher Lauren Coleman. This section of land has a history of paranormal-related stories and legends. Situated between the Massachusetts towns of Rehoboth, Abington, and Freetown, the Bridgewater Triangle is known for ghost sightings, apparitions, satanic cults, bigfoot, thunderbirds, orbs, and pukwajis. There are even some true crime murder mysteries and unexplained suicides related to the area. There are literally Dozens and dozens of eerie stories I could tell you from this wooded and swampy section of Massachusetts. Now, I grew up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which is just a few minutes away from Rehoboth, Massachusetts. And I can remember hearing all the spooky stories and urban legends coming from this area. Everything from ghostly hitchhikers appearing in front of cars driving down the road to haunted houses located deep in the woods But it wasn't until years later that I heard the area be referred to as the Bridgewater Triangle. To me, it was always just those spooky places out in the woods of Rehoboth. And as teenagers, my friends and I would often take drives down the dark, eerie back roads of Rehoboth and the neighboring towns. There were very few streetlights, and on most nights, the roads would be foggy, and the few houses we would pass looked like scenes from a horror movie. We would drive down them mostly for the thrill, to scare each other and ourselves. But there was this one time I took a girlfriend of mine on one of those spooky rides down the back roads, and the two of us experienced something that I'll never forget. But I want to save that story for last. My very first encounter with the Bridgewater Triangle was as a kid at summer camp. I used to spend my summer weekdays at Camp Ramsbottom in Rehoboth, Massachusetts, which is right on the edge of the Bridgewater Triangle. It was a pretty large camp with lots of activities like ball fields, a swimming pool, and lots of nature areas out in the woods. Once a week or so, there would even be sleepovers for the kids who wanted to camp out in tents all under the guidance and watch of camp counselors, of course. Now, my antisocial nature kept me from ever doing one of those overnights. But I used to hear of all kinds of stories from the other kids about hearing noises coming from the woods, seeing strange creatures in the shadows. I figured they were just imagining things, or maybe the counselors were trying to give them a scare. Until the day, I had my own encounter every morning, I would board a yellow school bus for the ride into Camp Ramsbottom, which was always the worst part of my day. Ever since I was a kid, I've had an unusual fear of school buses for some reason. I've always found them claustrophobic. And there were a couple of times when I somehow got off at the wrong stop and ended up stranded blocks away from home. Luckily for me though, most mornings, my great aunt Paula was the bus driver. Just by coincidence, her bus was the one on the route that I had to take to summer camp. So she would always save the very front seat for me so I could be the first one off the bus when we arrived. One particular day after being let off the bus, I headed over to my meeting spot where my camp counselor Frank would take attendance and give us all a sheet of different activities that were planned for us for the day. Now a typical day would consist of arts and crafts in the morning, swimming in the afternoon, kickball, volleyball, lots of different options. But one of my favorite things to do were the nature hikes and survival training. Anytime there was a class on how to make a campfire or how to build a lean-to, I'd sign up for it. In fact, I spent most of my time out in the woods of the campground. I didn't really have a lot of friends at the camp, and I wasn't especially good at making new ones. I've always been more comfortable keeping to myself. So when I wasn't taking a nature class, I'd be in the woods by myself practicing the skills I'd learned. And the woods were dark and a bit eerie. Most of the kids wanted nothing to do with being out there alone, but I kind of liked it. I mean, I knew there were bugs and animals and stuff around, but they never bothered me and I never bothered them. At first, this drove Frank crazy. It's my counselor's responsibility to keep track of me, you know, make sure he knows where everyone is and that we're safe. But he was always stuck looking for me. And it caused a problem a couple of times at first when the whole camp came to a halt to come out in the woods looking for me. But eventually Frank realized he could always find me in the same place, up the main path and off to the right of the big boulder. Occasionally, I would come out of the woods and play sports or go for a swim on a hot day. But most of the time, that's where you'd find me, out in the woods practicing my nature skills. After a few weeks of always going to the same spot, I had designed a small little campsite for myself. And as long as Frank knew he could find me there, nobody seemed to care. I'd cleared out the brush and the leaves and made a small circular area where I could hang out. There was a small fire pit in the middle, and I had moved a few large rocks to sit on. I wasn't allowed to start any campfires, but I used to pretend by putting lots of orange and yellow leaves in the middle. And after a few attempts, I managed to build a small survival shelter out of branches and some twine I'd stolen from one of the supply sheds. It was like my own little sanctuary at the campground, where I would spend most of my time, until it was time to board the bus and at home about halfway through the summer I started working on my biggest project a tree house there were three large trees with branches that were strong enough and close enough together that I could nail some branches across to make a small platform and eventually build a treehouse. and it was right on the edge of my self-made campground I convinced Frank to give me a hammer and some nails and every day I would be out there trying to assemble my treehouse. In my mind it was going to be this elaborate castle, but in reality it was just kind of a crudely put together treehouse. Not often, but occasionally woodland creatures would startle me. I mean I'd be so focused on the task at hand that sometimes a squirrel or a chipmunk would run by and scare me for a quick minute. I guess they'd gotten so used to me being out there that they would just run right by me without any fear. But one early afternoon I was up in the trees working on my treehouse when I noticed a bunch of squirrels running by. Three or four of them were scampering by my sight, all running in the same direction. I'd seen squirrels chase each other before, but this time it looked like they were all running from something. As I turned in the direction they were running from, I could see something moving in the bushes. It was quite a distance away, but I could tell it was pretty large. I held on to the base of the tree and peered around the bark, and I could see the dark outline of something slowly making its way through the woods. I could hear the branches from the bushes cracking as it moved along, and I could hear it breathing kind of heavy. It was kind of making a weird grunting sound, and as it slowly got closer, I started to get nervous. It wasn't like anything else I'd seen in the woods before, and I noticed all of the birds and the crickets, all the things that are usually chirping in the background, had now suddenly gone silent. It was as if someone had muted the volume, and all I could hear was that creature moving and grunting. I didn't know if I should climb down and run away, or just stay where I was and hope it doesn't see me. I clung to the tree, trying to hide like ten feet or so above from where the creature was, watching it slowly get closer and closer. I was able to make out some dark features and muscular legs. It had fur on its back, but the legs looked bare. It had a face kind of like a dog but with much larger ears, and they were pinned back like it was angry. It walked slowly but with purpose, like a cross between a bear and a horse. And the growl, the heavy breathing, just grew louder as it got closer to my campsite. I clung on to the opposite side of that tree, hoping it would just pass me by. But as it got closer, I could hear it sniffing and snorting around my tree. I think it knew I was there. As I looked down, I could see its eyes staring up at me. They were like big yellow almonds, and they took up most of its face. It almost looked confused by who I was and what I was doing up in a tree. And just as it started to become more curious about me, In the distance, I could hear my counselor, Frank, yelling, Tom! Tom! It's time to go! The shouting must have startled the creature. With a loud growl, it turned and took off towards the woods. And as I watched it run away, I swear I saw it vanish before my eyes. Like it didn't just fade away into the brush. It was as if a a doorway had opened up, and the creature just ran through it, and disappeared. And for a brief moment, I could see through to the other side. And it was different. It was like a a big empty field of green grass and blue sky, and I could only see it for an instant. And then it closed, and everything disappeared without a sound. It took me a few days to work up the courage to go back to my little campsite. But eventually I did while always looking over my shoulder. It wasn't until many years later, as an adult and as a paranormal investigator, that I returned to the woods of the Bridgewater Triangle to explore some of the legends and stories that it holds. I remember it was a sunny summer afternoon several years ago. Some friends and I headed out into the woods no paranormal investigation equipment or gadgets, just our eyes and our ears and a can of off-bug spray. One of the areas we wanted to survey was the Hockamock Swamp. It's a huge wetland area between Brockton and Taunton. Hockamock is an Algonquin word, meaning place where spirits roam. It was home to the Wampanoag tribe, who depended on the land for food and hunting. It also served as a sacred burial ground for the Native Americans. And the area also served a key role in the King Philip's War, acting as a protective base against English settlers. In the 17th and 18th century, Europeans despised the swamp and often tried to drain it to make settlements and farmland. But too often the crops would spoil or settlers would get sick and no one was able to profit or sustain living near the swamp. And to this day, most of the swamp is undeveloped. There are many legends from the Hockamock Swamp. Some involve Native American curses. Others involve strange creatures and sightings. Everything you can imagine from large, unusual snakes to to Bigfoot, to mysterious lights. And of course, the infamous Pukwudgies. You may be familiar with these goblin-like creatures made famous by J.K. Rawlings and the Harry Potter books. These human-like woodland creatures are said to be no more than three feet tall, with gray skin and big pointy ears. There have been many Pukwudgie sightings in the Hockamock Swamp for hundreds of years, going all the way back to Native American folklore. Now most of the stories are just quick sightings from a distance. But some witnesses claim Pukwudgies aren't too fond of humans and will often play jokes on them right before disappearing into thin air. Now unfortunately, on my field trip through the Bridgewater Triangle, I didn't encounter any Pukwudgies. I did, however, witness one of the other strange cryptids known to dwell in the Bridgewater Triangle, a Thunderbird. Now, I'm not talking about the Ford Motors sports car your grandfather once owned. Thunderbirds are mythical flying creatures, believed by Native Americans to be giant birds that would make thunderous clapping sounds with their huge wings and could shoot lightning bolts at their prey. Folklore says thunderbirds are sent by the gods to protect us from evil creatures from the underworld. And there are many thunderbird sightings today all over the country. And some scientists believe They're probably just larger than normal eagles patrolling the skies. But some dare to say that maybe they're an undiscovered species of bird or perhaps a leftover dinosaur from the Cretaceous era. While we were walking through the woods, we got as close to the Hakamak Swamp as we could without getting wet or lost in the plant life. And suddenly overhead, I spotted a giant bird flying above the trees. We all stopped to look. It was by far the biggest bird i've ever seen The wingspan must have been 15 to 20 feet long maybe more it was grayish black in color and it soared effortlessly around the canopy of the woods we tried to follow it but you know it was impossible from the ground and before i could think to take out my cell phone and take a picture of it it was gone but i did get an eerie sense that the bird was watching over us. Like, it just gave me a feeling of security knowing that it was there. There are two popular urban legends that most of us knew growing up near Rehoboth, Massachusetts. The first is the legend of the red-headed hitchhiker. Along the main road of Route 44 It is said that a big, burly man with a red beard, flannel shirt, and blue jeans is sometimes seen hitchhiking late at night. And people who have pulled over to offer him a ride claim that as soon as they stop to let him in, he disappears. The other legend I remember is of a young woman with blonde hair and a long white dress who would be seen walking down the road barefoot. This was one of the stories that we always used to tell our friends when we were in the car going for one of those late night drives down the spooky back roads. Now my personal story is a little different. I was probably 18, 19 or so at the time and my girlfriend and I had just left the movie theater in Seekonk, Massachusetts. It was close to midnight and we had just finished seeing the latest horror movie at the time. I decided to take the long way home and drive down some of the back roads in Rehoboth. The bumpy winding roads were dark with swirling patches of fog. The empty fields were full of shadows dancing in the moonlight, and every tree we passed looked as if it wanted to reach down and grab us. I was familiar with the roads from the many times I'd driven down them, but they never ceased to spook me. And suddenly, as we were rounding a corner, we both gasped at the sight of a little girl sitting on the side of the road. I swerved to avoid hitting her. Not sure if what we had seen was real, I decided to go back to see if we could help this little girl. So I pulled into a dirt driveway to turn around, and my car got stuck in some mud. There was an old wooden house at the end of the driveway, It had two stories, with big windows and long columns in the front that went from the porch all the way up to the roof. My wheels were spinning in the mud when all of a sudden a light turned on in one of the second floor windows, and my girlfriend started to panic. Let's get out of here! I shifted from reverse into drive into reverse again, trying to escape the mud turned the wheel and just as I was able to spin out of the driveway a light on the first floor of the house switched on. So I quickly turned the car and headed back down the road. We headed back to the spot where we saw the little girl and slowed down. We scanned the area for her as I constantly kept checking my rear view mirror. There was a wide open farm behind a wooden fence to our left, filled with haystacks and fog and to our right was a wooded area, mostly trees and darkness. We continued to slowly creep down the road in the car, hoping we would find the little girl, but she was gone. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com myparanormal or just click on the donate button on my website at myparanormalstory.com. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money and your support helps me keep this podcast running. So thank you for your support. Please don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when I've added new episodes. And feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story.